Hello, and welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some listeners might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. And now on to the show. I am your host, Erin, and I am the Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her, and I can usually be found at the library wrangling teens and tweens before school gets ready to start. Hmm. Welcome, listeners. So this book that I'm going to read for you today is a sequel to one of my favorite books, called Wolf Hollow. It's called My Own Lightning by Lauren Wolk. And Wolf Hollow was a Newbery Honor winner, but don't let that scare you from actually reading it because it's really good. It's another historical fiction book. And this one's actually the sequel to that. So we're going back to Western Pennsylvania during World War II. And I'm going to read you the front flap so you have an idea of what the book is about. It's been several months since the tragic events set in motion by bully Betty Glengarry, and the routine of daily life in Wolf Hollow has slowly returned. But for Annabelle McBride, it's hard to move forward and make peace with what feels like threadbare justice. Newly warm summer days are about to bring a jolt of change on the winds of a powerful storm. In its wake, the search for her brother's missing dog will set Annabelle on a new path that brings her to unfamiliar doorsteps and reunites her with a too familiar adversary, Andy Woodbury, who was complicit in Betty's most terrible acts. Growing up and blazing her own trail will soon force Annabelle to re-examine deeply felt truths about people, about justice, about herself that had once seemed so uncomplicated. So, Western Pennsylvania, 1944, chapter one. I didn't know there was a storm coming. Had I known, I might have done things differently. But I'd promised to help my teacher, Mrs. Taylor, clean the schoolhouse before she locked its doors for the summer. So I made my way up the lane from our glen to the top of the hill, past Toby's grave, though I stopped for a moment to lay my hand on his headstone, down again through a field of young wheat and into the woods of Wolf Hollow. The trees themselves were friendly enough, and the sunlight filtered through their leaves, tried its best to cheer me up, but the path through the hollow awakened dark memories I'd tried to put to rest. Memories that never slept soundly and were apt to startle like birds at the smallest twitch, rising as they woke while I fell deeper and deeper into gloom. Just months before, I'd tried to save my friend Toby from a girl named Betty. She, a bully through and through. He, a ruin of a man who made an ample target for a girl practicing her aim. Both of them gone now, except for the marks they'd left on me, the marks I'd left on myself, trying to be of help. Since Toby's death, I had been distracted by might-have-beens and if-onlys, consumed with what I could have done differently, not quite trusting myself as I once had, all of which laid me low, especially when I walked through the woods that had once been Toby's home. But Mrs. Taylor was waiting for me, her broom and scrub brush, bucket and mop ready for work, and I was glad to join her for a task that would set me straight again, face forward, my memories folding their wings and settling again in their nests where they belonged. 
And how is your summer so far, Annabelle? Mrs. Taylor asked as she polished dust and stove soot from the window panes. June was an odd time. School was out, which meant a pause in my most important job, but there was so much farm work to be done that I was busier than ever. It's been fine, I said, sweeping up boot mud and dried bits of nimble will. Lots of planting to do, strawberries to pick. She didn't need to be told. Most of us in the township were farmers. Everyone knew what that meant. But I loved being outside, so she nodded. We worked on in easy silence, the schoolhouse strange without the squeak and shuffle of children at every desk, and the patter of Mrs. Taylor huddled with one small cluster after another up at the chalkboard, the smell of warm bag lunches, meat sandwiches, oily cheese, and a whiff of boiled egg. Instead, we shared a silence punctuated only by the squeal of newspaper wetted with vinegar that Mrs. Taylor was using to clean the windows, the hush, hush, hush of my broom, and then, unexpectedly, a knock at the door. Mrs. Taylor looked at me and I at her. Who on earth? She climbed down off her stepladder and went along quickly to find out who had come and why. I followed her, standing back a little, but able to see that there was a man on the stoop, past 20, but not yet 30, someone I'd never seen before. I would have called him handsome, but he wasn't. He was beautiful. Can I help you? Mrs. Taylor said, wiping her hands on her apron. I hope so, he smiled, his teeth even and white. He had a well-trimmed mustache, though no beard, which was unusual in these hills, where the two usually went hand in hand, and green eyes, my favorite kind. A big man, especially across the shoulders, with a barrel chest like a lumberjack, except he was dressed more like someone from town, in clean, tidy clothes, his cuffs buttoned, the kind of hat my father wore to church. The word gentleman came to mind, but his eyes were curiously flat, and I had a vague suspicion that he might not be quite what he seemed. Perhaps he'd been in the war and was still finding his way all the way back from that. Or, I'm looking for my dog Zeus, he said, and I relaxed. I liked people who liked dogs. My name is Graf, from Aliquippa. Far enough so I doubt you'll see Zeus around here, but I've been looking for most of a week, and I guess I'm grasping at straws. He made a small, helpless gesture with one hand. What kind of dog? I asked. A bull terrier, brown, with a patch of white on his shoulder. I'm sorry, Mrs. Taylor said, but I haven't seen a dog like that. Have you, Annabelle? I shook my head. Lots of dogs around here, but not one like that. I'd remember. Well, let me know if he turns up. Mr. Graff pulled a strip of paper from his pocket and held it out. Here's my telephone number. Mrs. Taylor took it and slipped it into her apron pocket. Of course we will. It seemed that we were all done, Mrs. Taylor raising her eyebrows as if to say, was there something else you wanted? But I saw no need to hurry. Looking at him was like looking at a painting or a flower garden, and I hadn't yet had my fill. I'll ask my brothers to keep an eye out too, Mr. Graff, I said. Call me Drake, he smiled at me, and I felt taller, older. Like the duck, I said, and I immediately felt small again, young. Not that you look like a duck. In fact, never mind that, Mrs. Taylor said briskly. We'll be in touch if we see your dog, Mr. Graff. Good, he hesitated. I wouldn't recommend that you try to put a leash on him. Zeus isn't very comfortable around strangers. Best just to call me if he turns up. I wondered about that about the word comfortable, which could mean a few things. And the name Zeus, 
a Greek god, which made the dog sound fearsome. But dogs got their names when they were tiny and weak and blind, so I decided the name said more about Mr. Graff than it did about Zeus. Oh, and I'm offering a reward. Ten dollars, he said, which was a lot of money. I wondered why he had saved that piece for last, like a cookie. If we had already found his dog and said as much without knowing about a reward, would he have given one? I thought maybe not. But then I felt guilty for thinking ill of a man who'd done nothing wrong. I didn't like it when other people jumped to conclusions, so I tried not to do that myself, though it was hard sometimes, knowing what to trust and what to doubt. That's a lot of money, Mrs. Turner said, her eyebrows up. Zeus is a lot of dog, Mr. Graff replied, smiling his white smile. I watched as he tipped his hat and turned toward his truck, which was parked along the edge of the dirt road that led through Wolf Hollow and out, eventually to the hardtop and on toward places like Aliquippa with its gas stations and coffee shops and beauty salons and all the other things we didn't have in our hills. Compared to such places, the glen where we lived was like a cradle. You can always go visit somewhere else, my father liked to say, but then you get to come home. So far, home had been plenty. But as Mrs. Taylor and I watched Mr. Graff pull away, a part of me wanted to see what else there was to see. He must really love his dog to go driving around the countryside like that, Mrs. Taylor said, and to offer such a big reward. He must, I replied. And then, just before she shut the door, I caught sight of a boy on the other side of the road, a bit down from the schoolhouse, standing in the tall weeds, watching us. Despite the trees casting shadows along the road, despite the way he had pulled his hat down low over his forehead, I knew who he was. Andy Woodbury. What's he doing here? Mrs. Taylor said, and I could hear that she was frowning. I don't know. He's hardly ever in school, when he's supposed to be, but now it's June, and here he is. Mrs. Taylor responded by closing the door, and with it, the subject. But I stayed where I was for a long moment, wondering what had brought Andy this way. There was nothing much along this piece of road except the school, and a bit farther down toward the flatland, our old potato house, where we stored the crop until we could sell it. A distance beyond that, the Woodbury Farm, where Andy should have been. But Andy wasn't my business anymore, and I was not his keeper. So I bolted the door and I turned back to my work. Mrs. Taylor wondering out loud about Mr. Graff and his missing dog, both of us eager to finish up and be on our way home. I decided I would tell everyone about Mr. Graff and Zeus at dinner that night, in case they met either one. The reward money would be nice. Finding a lost dog would be even nicer. As I swept and dusted, I imagined saving Zeus, taking him home to Mr. Graff, how good that would feel, to do something right, with no mistakes, no might-have-beens. And that was when I heard the first roll of thunder in the distance. Was that thunder? Mrs. Taylor asked, peering through the window. We could certainly use the rain. I joined her looking out at a sky still blue. Maybe I ought to hightail it on home, I said, as the thunder sounded again, still as mild as gravel in a bucket, though perhaps a bit closer this time, before it gets here. Mrs. Taylor looked at me doubtfully. Do you think you'll be all right? I'll run, I said. I'm sure I'll beat it home. But I hadn't reckoned on the speed of that storm or how easily it would cross the distance between us. And that is the end of the chapter. So this book kind of feels like you don't necessarily have to read Wolf Hollow before you read this one, but I would suggest 
checking that out if you haven't read it already or listening to it on audio. But hopefully you are intrigued enough to check this book out. But if not, there's always another book waiting to be discovered. Please check the show notes for books with similar themes. I'll be sure to post that when we have the episode out. And I hope you join me next time for another Next Reads. Thanks.